0: This is why I call it candor and not truth. You know, if I walk in and I say, "I'm going to tell you the truth," I'm kind of implying I have a pipeline to God and you don't know shit from Shinola. And that's not a great way to start a conversation.
1: You're listening to the shortcast of Brave New Work, practical solutions for how to reimagine our organizations and develop a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Aaron Dignan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Rodney Evans. Hey, everyone. Today on the episode, we're going to be talking about feedback, that hard-to-define concept wherein we're supposed to learn and grow by giving each other shit. (laughs) Sure. You know, feedback is something that we're all pretty familiar with, but Rodney, can you go ahead and break it down anyway?
2: Yeah, I can try to. It's really any information that we're trying to gather or gain from outside sources. So that can be a lot of different kinds of data. It can be like a review or rating on a podcast, or it could be a grade on something. It can be body language that you notice during an interaction or a written performance review, really any kind of input or information that you're getting from a source outside of you about you.
1: And there are a lot of different theories about just how feedback should be conducted and delivered. So in this episode, we're going to focus on what we see as three distinct waves of feedback culture, if you will. Wave one being what we commonly see right now as top-down, leader-led, data-driven feedback, which, spoiler alert, doesn't really work. Wave two, which is a more modern form of feedback, which incorporates ideas around nonviolent communication and 360 inputs. And finally, wave three, which is basically no formal feedback at all, which might sound a bit more radical than it actually is. And in the second part of the episode, we'll hear from an expert in modern feedback practice, Kim Scott, author of Radical Candor.
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: What is feedback 1.0? like? What is feedback for 90% of people out there inside a corporate system?
2: What I still see in a lot of companies is a traditional annual or semi-annual performance management system where there is a manager who tells you to the best of their ability, how you did and whether you're worth any money at the end of this year. So often tied to compensation, often on a scale. So with that as our basis, why do you think that sucks?
1: First of all, Leader-led feedback means that the person who's receiving it isn't in control. They don't have agency. They don't have autonomy. And we know that people like to develop through their own directive, like through their own curiosity, their own agenda, what they want to work on. And so if it comes from a punitive place, that's going to mess with my motivation. It's going to mess with how I show up to it. It's going to make it more compliance behavior than actual growth. I also think that for most of the leaders that are still doing it that way, the role of feedback is basically, how do I get you to please me, as opposed to, how do I actually help you grow? There is a sense that the higher up we go, the more our perception of what's true is actually true. And of course, the data tells a different story, that actually, when it comes to people and the complexity of their development, one perspective is almost never enough. The second generation of feedback, feedback 2.0, let's call it, is 360, it's multiple perspectives. If it's super developed, it's actually user-led. So each person is asking who they want, what they want, and using that feedback to construct a narrative and a path for themselves based on their own needs and curiosities. User-led
2: feedback to me is really important because at a minimum, even if you're about to call something that I believe to be true about myself fully into question, at least I asked for it. When you say that something that is important to me is wrong and I'm not ready for it and I haven't asked for it, the likelihood of me being able to do anything about that is really low because I just get tripped into like a total fear state. And that's where I think the nonviolent communication tenant of this comes in.
1: So the thing about NVC or nonviolent communication is that it's a way to have what would normally be a feedback conversation using a method that's more focused on connection and empathy and what is true rather than opinion. And so it has a few components. The first is just an observation without judgment. So trying to just notice what's happening. Then it's about identifying a feeling that you have. So what are you feeling as a result of what's happening? Then connecting those feelings to a need, to a deep need that you have that all people share. So it should be something that's so fundamental that we can all empathize with it. And then finally making a request. Uh, Would you be willing to X based on what you've just heard? And see if there's a way that we can all get our needs met through requests that we make and connect with. So um, that's the basic kind of anatomy of, of the nonviolent communication framework.
2: There are ideas about a wave of feedback or lack thereof that will overtake the current sort of woke state that we just described.
1: So I think the most recent thing that we've both seen is some writing and speaking from Marcus Buckingham, where he's basically saying feedback sucks, like it just doesn't work. Focusing on the negative is not the way. Focusing on people's strengths and encouraging those and really letting everything else go and letting people self-direct on their own development journey is better. It is interesting to think about the idea of like, do I need to tell you what you're doing wrong at all? And does that actually result in a benefit?
2: The other thing that I got to hear him talk about very recently is just the idea that we should focus on what you do better than anyone else does. In the moment that it happens, say to someone, I want to see more of that and worry less about the little offenses and little slights here and there that you might correct once, but you're probably not going to correct in a patterned way.
1: So let's recap these three waves of feedback. The first wave is that common top-down annual performance review style of feedback that we all know and love, air quotes. (laughs) It's data-based and much more focused on compensation.
2: Right. And the second wave is a more modern form of communication. It's usually user-led, which means that the employee is asking the questions. It's giving them more agency in their own growth and development. And often we're employing ideas or concepts from nonviolent communication. As a reminder, NBC sounds like this. Aaron, you showed up late to our meeting today. I felt angry because respecting my time is really important to me. Next time, would you be willing to ping me when you're running late?
1: I would be very willing to do that. And the third wave is essentially no criticism at all, just positive reinforcement, focusing on strengths becoming superpowers.
2: Overall, what's emerged from this conversation is that feedback is a pretty vulnerable and emotional process, no matter how you slice it. It's difficult for the person giving the feedback, It's hard for the person hearing it because at the end of the day, we're people in relationship who want to help each other grow, but don't want to do harm to one another.
1: And that said, we thought the perfect person to help us explore the process of communicating feedback in that way is Kim Scott, the author of what's basically the holy grail of modern feedback practice, the book Radical Candor. In the book, Kim proposes that the best way to approach workplace communication is through balancing caring personally and challenging directly which makes for a better feedback exchange and a better working relationship across the board
0: in today's economy, in order to get things done as a leader, you really need to build a specific kind of relationship with each of your employees. And that relationship I describe as radical candor. And the idea of the relationship is that it's different. It's not a friendship. It's not family. It better not be a romance. It's a relationship in which the core things that you have to do are care personally and challenge directly. So here's the radical candor order of operations, and this is true whether you're the boss, the employee, or a peer. The first thing you need to do is solicit feedback. Don't dish it out before you prove you can take it. Second of all, focus on the good stuff. Your job, especially if you're the leader, is to paint a picture of what success looks like, and praise is a much better tool for doing that than criticism. First thing you need to do when you're offering criticism to someone is you want to make sure that you are checking that you're being humble. Offering somebody criticism is a gift in one of two ways. It's either a gift because you're right, and by telling the person what you see, you give them an opportunity to fix the problem, or it's a gift because you're wrong, and only by telling the other person what you think do you give them the opportunity to change your opinion this is why I call it candor and not truth. You know, if I, if I walk in and I say, I'm going to tell you the truth, I'm kind of implying I have a pipeline to God and you don't know shit from Shinola. And that's not a great way to start a conversation. You also want to state your intention to be helpful. It doesn't take long. Just, I know this project is important to you. I think what I'm going to say can help it be more successful, whatever. You also want to make sure that you offer this as quickly as possible. Feedback has a short half-life, and you want to do it whenever possible in person. Something like 90% of communication is nonverbal. So you really want to make sure that you're understanding how what you're saying is landing for the other person. And last but not least, you want to make sure that you are offering feedback that is specific and that helps someone improve. You don't want to offer somebody feedback about fundamental personality attributes.
1: Is there anything that we haven't said that you would offer to someone who is thinking about, all right, this is the week that I like show up to conversations differently. What would your parting words of wisdom to them be?
0: Jot down right now. What is the question that you're going to use to solicit criticism from others? Because if all you say is, do you have any feedback for me? You're wasting your breath. Nobody wants to give you feedback. So how can you ask? My coach when I worked at Google was Fred Kaufman, and he offered me this question. He said, what could I do or stop doing that would make it easier to work with me? I love that question, and I use it all the time, but I was coaching Krista Quarles when she was CEO of OpenTable, and she said, I could never imagine those words coming out of my mouth. She said, the question I like to ask is, tell me why I'm smoking crack. So yeah, it's another way to say it. But The key thing is that it needs to sound authentic. To you, Because when you ask someone else to criticize you, you are putting them in an awkward situation and you're putting yourself in an awkward situation. So you want to make sure that you are communicating that there's a payoff at the end. You're asking someone to take a risk. And so you want to ask the question in a way that shows you're going to reward the risk, not punish it.
2: As Kim said, Radical Candor is distinct from this idea of truth-telling because it doesn't assume that someone necessarily knows the whole truth, and that is so important. Instead, it's an interaction that's focused on coaching and finding an outcome that works for both parties.
1: The first thing that you need to do is solicit feedback. And when you get a chance to give it, focus on the good stuff. Offer praise. And remember, guidance is something that we long for, but feedback can be a little screechy. You also want to state your intention to be helpful. And you want to make sure that you offer feedback as quickly as possible and do it in person so that you can really gauge how that feedback is landing with that other person.
2: If you take one thing away from this conversation, make it be this. Come up with one question that you can use consistently to ask for feedback. We know that in the moment of asking, things can get awkward. So having that question in your back pocket to help make it really clear that you're not there to punish someone and that they can be honest with you will be invaluable. That question could be something like, what would make it easier to work with me? Or really whatever feels authentic to you, because you do want the feedback, even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment, and you want people to want to give it to you. So that's it for this episode of the Brave New Work Shortcast.
1: If you liked it, give us a follow so you'll be notified when new episodes are published and rate the show so we know how we're doing.
2: As for you, thank you for listening.
1: Now go change something.